The Obama administration is expanding guidelines for stem cell research that favor federal financing for embryonic stem cell development. But some don't see that going far enough and view it as bad science, bad ethics, and bad business. Welcome to the third interview in a series of discussions about stem cells on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune, and today I'm speaking with Ken Aldrich. Mr. Aldrich is Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of International Stem Cell Corporation, a biotechnology company that is working on stem cell development. Mr. Aldrich joins us today from his offices in beautiful Oceanside, California. Ken Aldrich, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, so if you could, give us a little background on your company, International Stem Cell Corporation, and how it plays in this whole decision by President Obama to federally fund embryonic stem cell research that had been stymied under President Bush. I'm happy to do that. The best way to understand our position in this is to understand a little bit about international stem cell. What we have done is to create a new method for developing what are known as pluripotent stem cells. Pluripotent stem cells, for those who are not familiar with the terminology, simply means the cells that can be differentiated into any cell in the body. So they are functionally very much like embryonic stem cells. They have uh, all of the same potentiality. They are different in two key aspects. One, they're not derived from a fertilized embryo. So the ethical issue that surrounded embryonic stem cells for so long really doesn't apply to uh, parthenogenic stem cells, which is what our platform is called. And second, they have the capacity to enable us to provide cells that will be immune matched from a single cell line to, in some cases, up to hundreds of millions of people. So it ultimately will give us the tools to provide a true stem cell bank that will not require constant new donations and from which anyone could derive stem cells very much the way you would derive blood now from a blood bank. It's more complicated, but the concept is the same. So that's where we fit in the universe of stem cells. In terms of how we relate to the new proposed guidelines, we, in general, applaud the whole concept of releasing federal funding to universities and institutions as well as companies for research into stem cells. We think it's important to science and we think that stem cell research will be very, very important as we go forward into regenerative medicine techniques in the future. We have a concern, which we've voiced to the NIH, in that the current guidelines attempt to restrict the funding of stem cell research to certain particular lines, specifically embryonic stem cell lines, which is interesting because historically all of the opposition was to embryonic stem cell lines because of the perceived ethical issues of using fertilized embryos. In this case, for reasons that frankly we're not too sure of, but I can probably speculate about, they've seen fit to exclude from federal funding other types of stem cells that are derived from human eggs. So they have specifically excluded in the preliminary guidelines, we hope it won't be in the final, parthenogenic stem cells and cells derived from another technology called somatic nuclear cell transfer. 
Our position has been that those cells raise no more ethical issues than embryonic stem cells. They actually raise fewer ethical issues. And to chop off two of the four known ways of making pluripotent stem cells from federal funding really cripples scientific research and is likely to drive scientific research out of this country and be a bad thing for everyone. So we hope they're going to change those rules in the final version. Given your speculation, why would you say that they are restricting these stem cells and lines? And also, a lot of people, I'm sure, don't even know this. I think that may be true. My speculation is that they were concerned that women would be used as egg factories, if you will, and that women would be induced to go through the procedures that are required for donating eggs solely for research. And so the concept was, I believe, that they wanted to limit the sources of stem cells that were subject to federal funding to donated cells derived from in vitro fertilization clinics. Because these would have been headed for discard anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. What I think got lost somewhere in the drafting is the fact that the eggs that we use for parthenogenesis and that are used for what's called somatic nuclear cell transfer or abbreviated usually as scent and for possibly other cells are also destined for discard. The only difference is that we do not fertilize the egg before we do the research on it. But the very process of IVF results usually in 10 to 20 eggs being delivered. So inevitably, there are eggs that are going to be discarded. And the only difference is, do you fertilize all of them at the beginning and then discard fertilized eggs, which raises its own set of ethical issues for certain people? Or do you separate out at the beginning eggs that you say we're not going to use, they're excess Rather than throw them away, let's use them to create parthenogenic stem cell lines. We never create a fertilized egg, so there's no issue of whether this might or might not have become a human being, and there's no issue of whether or not the woman was improperly induced to give the eggs because she's already made the choice. So we hope that that's just a drafting oversight and will get corrected. If not, I think it would be a serious mistake not to correct it, frankly. Now, let's just say that they don't correct it. Is this kind of research with the parthogenic stem cells, is it going on? Where is it going on? And what is the status of such research? It is definitely going on. We invented the technique. People had been trying for many years to develop a human parthenogenic stem cell line. It had been done in animals. No one had ever been able to do it with humans. We achieved that in 2006 and then achieved a refinement of it in 2007, or published, I should say, that work was done earlier, that enabled us to create the matching of cells from a single line to, as I say, in the first case, it was 350 million people from our first cell line. And we are producing those cell lines now. Researchers are using those cell lines to differentiate into a variety of different kinds of potentially therapeutic cells. For example, we have created retinal pigment epithelial cells to treat macular degeneration, and those are in animal trials right now. We have created uh, liver precursor cells that will begin animal trials in within the next two weeks. We've created heart cells. We've created other kinds of nerve cells and a whole variety. And we have researchers in the United States as well as in Germany and England 
that are working on using our cells to differentiate into the particular kind of cells they need for treatment. It's a small portion of the research that's going on with embryonic stem cells simply because we're the new kids on the block. Embryonic cells have been around for 10 years and researchers have been working for it with them. We're new, so it takes longer for the body of use to build up, but it's happening very quickly. If you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to the latest interview in a series of discussions about stem cells on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune, and I'm speaking today with Ken Aldrich, who's the chief executive officer and co-founder of International Stem Cell Corporation. And we're talking about this process known as parthenogenesis, where his company is able to generate fully functioning pluripotent stem cells, and that is uh, stem cells that have the ability to turn into any type of stem cell or tissue. What we're talking about is they did not get, were not subject, if you will, to the NIH guidelines that gained so much publicity when President Obama allowed federal funding. And how quickly do you think this could be remedied? Well, we're hoping that it will be remedied when the final regulations come out. We and many other groups have filed recommendations with the NIH for modifying the guidelines, and uh, we're certainly optimistic that those changes will take place. If that did not happen and the guidelines were issued pretty much as originally proposed, then I don't know what the process would be quite candidly, whether it would require Congress to step in or whether it would require the NIH at some future date to take a second look at it. But we're certainly hopeful that it won't come to that, not only because it affects us. It doesn't really affect our company as directly as you would imagine, as it affects the researchers who would like to be using these cells for treatments that could reach more people than they think they can reach with embryonic cells. We have more than adequate interest from outside the U.S. in using our cells, but we would much prefer to do it here. We do depend very much on the ability to collaborate with academic institutions and private researchers in order to develop the actual treatments. And that's what I would hate to lose, and I'd hate to see that kind of work go offshore if we can avoid it. Yeah, that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. If you are a researcher in a lab in a university, you rely on federal funding to do your research because there's just not enough private money to go around. And let's face it, in this economy, a lot of private interests are not going to take a risk on something that's not a sure thing. And so what you're telling us is is that these folks would have you know some interest going forward and, and they see some real optimism here. Oh, I think that's correct. Certainly, there are, for example, researchers that we know specifically have approached us who are very eager to do side-by-side studies of embryonic stem cells and parthenogenic stem cells to validate that our cells do exactly what we claim they do, which is to do anything an embryonic cell can do, and solve the immune rejection problem, which is potentially an enormous problem. To give you an example, our estimates are that with as few as 100 or less cell lines, which is not that many in the greater scheme of things, we could probably match the immune systems to organ transplant standards of most of the world population. The same people have estimated that to do the same thing with embryonic stem cells might take anywhere from 1,000 to 100,000 different lines. And there are complicated genetic reasons for that, but the bottom line is lots of researchers really want 
to have cells that can be freely used without having difficulties in matching the donor to the patient. So we're meeting a very important need, and I would certainly like to have as many researchers as possible have access to that potential. Now, can you tell our listeners, where is some of your research going on at specific universities? I can. We're doing research at the University of California at Irvine with Dr. Hans Kierstadt there, uh, who was the researcher behind the recent announcements by Giron Corporation that they had created treatment for spinal cord injury in, in mice and rats, and they're working on human trials. So that's one. We're doing work at the University of San Francisco, University of San Diego. We're doing work in, in Germany at the University of Würzburg. We're doing work at two clinics in England. We're doing work at Michigan State University with one of the leaders in stem cell research there. And I'm undoubtedly uh, leaving out two or three others, and somebody will yell at me when I get back to my office. (laughs) And so where do you see this headed? Do the researchers in your company, I mean, do you sort of view it as the step by the Obama administration as a general positive? I mean, it does indeed. You don't want to restrict people in the lab. I think that's what you're kind of saying. Absolutely. I don't think the Obama administration is wrong at all in the direction they're taking. I mean, I think they absolutely intended to broaden the playing field. I think that uh, people within the NIH at the administrative level are concerned about some of the criticisms that they might encounter if they're not very, very careful to be sure that women are indeed giving their informed consent and that the eggs that are being used are indeed excess eggs and not simply being donated solely for research. And we sympathize with all of that. We just think there has been an inadvertent narrowing of the description of available egg sources that is unfortunate if it stays in the final version, and we certainly hope it won't. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Ken Aldrich, who's been our guest. He's the chief executive officer and co-founder of International Stem Cell Corporation, a biotechnology company that is working on stem cell development. And I'm sure you're going to be hearing more about this company as the future holds and research goes forward in stem cells. I'm Bruce Japson with the Chicago Tribune, and you've been listening to an interview in a series of discussions about stem cells on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.